Good morning and welcome to All Things Apostolic. My name is Casey Cease. Yesterday we heard from Dr. Wilson, Dr. King, and Pastor Clark while they were at Joppa. Today, Dr. Wilson and Dr. King are at the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is a place of great significance. There are many events that take place at this location, including the ascension of Jesus Christ after his resurrection. Let's join Dr. Wilson and Dr. King today as they discuss its significance and the rich history that surrounds it. Okay, we're sitting on Mount of Olives, and this is my favorite uh, site to view the old city of Jerusalem. I want you to think about the history that, that these stones and this mountain has been witness to. 4,000 years ago, Abraham was, uh, was returning from uh, the Battle of the Kings where he rescued his nephew Lot and Melchizedek, the king of Salem, came out of Jerusalem and met with Abraham, and Abraham paid tithes. Then it was when Abraham was south of here, I believe he was in Hebron at the time, that God said, I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac, and go to a place where I will show you. It was a three-day journey, and the place that God showed him was Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah is right here on what we know today as Temple Mount. In fact, there is a rock right in the middle of that dome, under the golden dome that you see. By the way, that is, that is uh, real gold. That dome is plated with gold. And in the middle of that is a rock where Jews believe that uh, that is the exact spot where uh, the altar was built and Isaac was laid on the altar and then God intervened. So that's 4,000 years. Uh, fast forward 1,000 years and then 3,000 years ago, David, King David, took the city of Jerusalem and during his reign, there was a plague and the angel stood still uh, on the threshing floor of Aruna, which is also on Mount Moriah. So right at that same spot, right where you see the Dome of the Rock um, standing today was, was where the threshing floor of Aruna was or just this side between us and it, but on the same platform. And so this is where David decided to build the temple. And then when Jesus went before the crucifixion, when he went on Palm Sunday into Jerusalem, he came over this mountain. He was at Bethany. Bethany's right behind you. It's on the other side of this mountain on that slope. He came over this mountain went down and across and through that gate 
course, that's not the original gate, but it's at the same location. That's the, that's the eastern gate. It's also called the, the golden gate, uh, not because it was made of gold, but because when the sun rose over the Mount of Olives and shined on it, it would, it would, it would be so bright that it appeared to be golden. Uh, the temple was the same way. The temple was so bright that it appeared to be golden. Those who viewed it from, from a distance from over here uh, could look at it and say it was, it was brilliant. It was like gold. And so Jesus went through that gate and he went back and forth during Passion Week. So from Palm Sunday until uh, the Passover when he was crucified, he was going from Jerusalem to Bethany. That's where he was staying in Bethany, right behind you, back and forth. So he was going up and down this mountain and through that gate. And then, of course, after the death, burial, and resurrection, he met, he met his disciples here, and he said... Go back and tarry at Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. He said, you shall receive power. You shall receive, you're going to receive the Holy Ghost. And you're going to be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. And so that, that prophecy uh, from Acts 1.8 was fulfilled later on on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, over on Mount Zion. So all of these events were witnessed from here. And when Jesus spoke his last words to his followers, he ascended from the Mount of Olives, right, right here where we're at on this mountain. This is where they were when Jesus said, I'm coming back and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing up into heaven, the angel said, why stand ye here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, whom you've seen going into heaven, shall so come in like manner. And the Jesus that left from this mountain and ascended up into heaven promised he's coming back, and he is coming back, and it's prophesied that he's going to put He's going to put his feet on this mountain and we're going to meet him. Yes. We're looking for him. We're looking for him and waiting for his return. Jesus is coming back again. And I believe he's coming back soon. Why don't we just worship the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. God, we're waiting for your return. We thank you for your promise. We believe your promise with all of our heart. We're looking for your, your coming, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Dr. King. So uh, what he explained to us is right behind me, right through the back of my head here would be Mount Zion, the as far as we know, the original Mount Zion, um, and then the Temple Mount extends it that direction towards the, would that be north? Um, and that the Ark of the Covenant was placed here as they've already said. And that um, uh, some claim that David had been buried there. Um, 
uh, some claim that David uh, was born personally on the day of Pentecost. Some say that he died on the day of Pentecost. We know that he moved the ark where there was the start of the day of Pentecost that is the bringing of the Spirit. That was prophesied in the Old Testament many times. The Holy Ghost that you and I have speaking with other tongues is not something that was minor from the Old Testament. It was major from the Old Testament. And you have many scriptures, Joel 2, 28, 29, Isaiah 28, 11, and 12, um, Ezekiel chapter um, 37, uh, Jeremiah 31 and 33, Zechariah, on and on we could go. Isaiah, the scriptures that, uh, that tell us that the Holy Ghost was coming, it was a major event in which the whole system of government changed when the Holy Ghost comes in somebody. Up until that time, the military keeps order, the police keep order, the prisons keep order, and so forth. But he prophesied there would come a day when government would not be from exterior governmental infrastructure or, or kings or so forth, but it would come from within us. And so you, nobody in Jerusalem would have to put a lock on their door worrying about us stealing anything because we have the governor inside of us. Nobody would have to worry about us uh, uh, robbing anybody because we have the governor inside of us, which is uh, uh, untold times greater than government from without with evil inclinations from within. So the whole thing that we're involved with with Pentecost here is a universal thing. It's not just a, a little Pentecostal sect thing. It's, it's a mighty thing. Also, there's much, so much could be talked about here, and thank you, Dr. King, for the great explanations about those things. Uh, the thing I want to mention is where Brother uh, King stopped, and that is that when he comes back, he's going to set his feet on this mountain. Now, I was here one year within a few yards of where we're at, and David Gray, a, a, a renowned Pentecostal Bible scholar who's now passed away, who built a great, powerful church in San Diego, California, uh, he was, they had him, there was a bunch of preachers here, and they had him talking about that Jesus is going to come back and he's going to stand right on, he's going to plant his feet right on this mountain. And he said when he comes back, he's going to come back, and he was explaining all about it. Well, right in the middle of it, a jet went over and broke the sound barrier. Boom! And everybody thought, man, he's coming right now. <laughs> but... But the fact is, we don't know the day nor the hour, but we know that he is coming back. We know he's going to plant his feet on this mountain. Now, Dr. King and I talked about uh, when we were way south of here, out in the desert, uh, where the brook Kidron ran into the Dead Sea. Well, this is the Kidron Valley, or as they would say here, Kidron Valley, right down here. And so the Bible predicts when Jesus plants his feet on this mountain, it says it's going to split exactly in the middle, and it's going to create a very wide valley. So that's north and that's west. So from the west is the Mediterranean Sea, and it's going to connect to the Great Sea. So Jerusalem is always considered to be the center of the world, the city that's at the center of the world. But at the center of the world, what kind of commercial impact can it make unless it has a waterway that goes out to the rest of the world? 
This is one of the key things about the major cities of the world is that they have waterways that connect them with the rest of the world. Jerusalem is, is, is inland. But when that comes, as, as we were talking about earlier, uh, this valley is going to split. There's going to be an opening all the way from the Great Sea, which is what the Mediterranean Sea was previously called. And, the, and, and uh, water is going to come up here. Ezekiel said water is going to come out from underneath the house, the, the, the temple. So you can see the temple's going to be setting right here. And so somewhere down under there, there will be unleashed with that earthquake, uh, a cisterns of water, uh, underground aquifers that presently are probably barely tapped uh, that's going to explode up and uh, the opening will be to the great sea here and then the Kidron the brook Kidron will most likely be a massive river Kidron we're also only how many miles from uh, Jordan are we right now 12 miles uh, we're only 12 miles from the Jordan River and so uh, it will that valley will probably split all the way to the Jordan River and that's when we talked about uh, uh, in Ezekiel, what is it, 49, I think, that there'll be massive fishing, net fishing, which, which isn't just people out there with little catching uh, perch, uh, but it'll be, it'll be massive industry that is created when Jesus comes. When he sets his feet on this mountain, he's going to reconfigure the face of the earth. Well, when you've got a waterway that comes from the Mediterranean, if you just know anything about your map, which connects to Europe, which connects to Asia, which goes out through the, uh, uh, past the Rock of Gibraltar, out across the sea to America. Then down here, it's going to run into the Dead Sea, and the Bible actually uses the, wor the words, uh, this is almost a direct quote, I don't know the exact quote, but it's very close. The sea shall be healed, is the words. And, and um, it's going to run into the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea will no longer be dead. That earthquake will reconfigure also the sea levels that we've talked about before. Um, and then uh, out of the Dead Sea, it will continue to go downward to where are we going to, uh, we are going to the Gulf of uh, Red Sea, aren't we? So we're going to, add, this is the first trip I've ever done. What we're going to do on this trip is go from the, the bottom point, southern point of the Dead Sea, all the way down to the Gulf of Aqaba. So that's going to be a, a, a pretty exciting thing. So, but that's going to have the, the Jordan or whatever it's going to be called is going to extend right on down to that. So you'll be able to come up from beneath Australia and around from China and India that way. And you can come up, uh, up to Jerusalem or you can come through here. Now, somebody says the power of the oceans looks like would sweep in and turn that water to salt water. So we were just uh, uh, talking about this, uh, Dr. King and, and, uh, and Pastor Clark and I, and uh, we went back and read this closely. But the Bible says that the waters that come out of here, think about it, this is the volume of water that's going to come out of here. The water that comes out of here will be so powerful that it will flow out to the Mediterranean Sea this way, this way, and it will flow out to uh, the Dead Sea this way so strong from underground that it'll be all fresh water pushing into the seas. So that means all of this will be reconfigured. It's all dependent on something spiritual and that is the second coming of Jesus, which will begin the, the millennium. And so um, 
all of the all of the natural things that are happening over the hills. The house uh, is Bethany, where Lazarus and and uh, Martha and Mary lived. Just just right back here, we go over and visit them here. Uh, they won't be home today, probably, but we can we we'll go check it out. Uh, I don't know if we go there or not, but um, uh, anyway, what a what a. Uh, the, we could not be standing or sitting on a more uh, profound place than we are here today. In your whole life, you will not be able to find any place more profound in terms of standing on the, on the top edge of the present and the past on that side and the future on this side. We are standing on the edge of the razor blade or sitting on the edge of the razor blade this very second. And I believe he's coming back. Do you believe it? Amen. 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 Dr. Wilson, stay here. So during the times of Abraham, of course, there was nothing on this hill except a rock. Jerusalem at that time, or Salem, was on the lower hill where we're going to be going from here. That was not the Jerusalem. In fact, that was not the Jerusalem of David's time. During David's time, that was farmland. And remember, it didn't have that big square flat area. That had, that's why those retainer walls are there. Take all those retainer walls down and what do you have? You have a mountain. So that was just farmland during David's time. It was a threshing floor where they, they threshed wheat right up there and it wasn't very big the Jerusalem of that time is what they call today the city of David which is where we're going from here and it's this little part right over here follow follow the walls down and just as you cross the road there's a little space and then the city of David begins and it wasn't very large it was a very small place Eight acres. But it was surrounded by walls and valleys. So on this side is the Kidron Valley. Coming in from that direction was the valley of Megiddo, I mean, of uh, uh, the um, Hinnom Valley. Uh, and then right in the middle between them is the Tyrolean Valley, a Tyropian Valley. And so that city was, it was impregnable, which is why the Jebusites mocked David from the walls when he came to take it. They mocked him and said, you can't take this. I mean, even our, even our lame people can defend this city. But then uh, Joab went up through the water shaft and, and that shaft is visible today. Those of you that hike down through the Canaanite tunnel are going to see it. You're gonna, th today it's called Warren's Shaft. But that's probably the place where Joab climbed up and they got inside the city and they took the city. So that's all of these on the Mount of Olives, these graves are Jewish graves. All those graves that you see over there beneath the wall on the other side of the Kadron Valley, those are Muslim graves. Why did they put those graves there? They put those graves there because they felt like if it was a burial ground, then the Messiah would not come through. So they, they blocked the Golden Gate. You see the Golden Gate? It's totally surrounded 
and blocked with the graves of Muslims because they, they figure that, that that makes the ground such that nobody's going to come through there. So they're trying to prevent the Messiah from coming through that uh, eastern gate. But he's coming anyway. Graves or no graves. Thank you for tuning in to All Things Apostolic today. Join us tomorrow as we continue our journey with Dr. Wilson and Dr. King in the Holy Land.